When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, Action Network. And this is a big episode for us. This is our 2023 Fantasy Football Sleepers episode. Here, Sean Kerner, the odds maker, one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, and myself are going to go over all of our sleepers at each position for 2023. Sean, excited? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I'm still recovering from my commander's uh, plus one and a half sweat last night. Our, oh. uh, our entire Action Network Discord was just freaking out all game long, and rightfully so. But uh, we got the win. Uh, and if you haven't joined our Discord, please do. It's so much fun. But yeah, I mean... NFL season's here. That that was a sweat for you know all time last night. Holy shit! It's kind of like I feel like you gotta like pour one out though. Like I did. Like that was the most dominant dynasty in yeah. Like the oh, Ravens yeah. preseason. It was like a ten year winning streak. Essentially, they were showing clips of like the first win and like the graphics on the broadcast looked like you know the nineties. It was crazy. What was it? Twenty four games. Twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Because they 24. won that. They won. They beat the Eagles by one that last week, right? Yeah, and yeah. They won last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, it's twenty-four. And uh, but like, if you're Washington and you started your starters, yeah. And Baltimore started. <laughs> what was it Johnson and they played Johnson Josh, and Brown the whole game? Yep. Uh, they didn't play Tyler Huntley. Uh, that's what I mean. That, I feel like Baltimore really won. Like, like if you're Washington, you yeah. still lost, even though you won. Yeah, no, the Commanders, they, they benched their entire first-string uh, defense, and it showed early on. Uh, so it was just a high-scoring game. But um, uh, Joey Sly, baby, like he came through big time with some you know big <laughs> kicks. So I moved him up oh. in my kicker rankings. I knew I'll love that part. Oh, man. Who do you, do you, got, uh, you still got Nick Folk for the Patriots? Or are you, you no, no, nope, I have been to that. Uh, no, okay, my, okay. my kicker rankings are fresh. <laughs> Don't come at me. Yeah, it's, it's just always hilarious because I'll just like I'll just like slack it's, you like a, like a random kicker. Like, ah, you need to update this. Weird yeah, no, it's it's a bi-weekly <laughs> update. Not going to lie. But uh, as of now, they are super fresh. All right. So, I mean, we're already getting off track here. I guess you want to start. You want to start. You want to start <laughs> yeah, with the sleepers at kicker? Who's your, who's, your, who's your top sleeper at kicker? Let's go off the script. Let's see who you got. Who you got? Um, Man. <laughs> Let me see if I can name a kicker off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> Come on, Young Way Koo. I was going to say Young Way Koo. Um, Will Lutz. Will Lutz, maybe? A lot of uh, leading uh, game scripts. I don't know. To, Let's not talk about to... kickers. Remember, I don't, draft, I, I, I don't draft kickers. Like, get back to me week one when I pick one off the uh, waiver wire. Jake Moody, baby. My kicker four right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, let's go to uh, – let's, let's let's do the real podcast now. Uh, okay. Yeah, so quarterback, uh, you know, sleepers at quarterback. A little harder to come by. Uh, especially, I, I feel like the market's definitely gotten sharper these last few years. It seems to be – every year it is – fewer and fewer guys that were kind of finding uh, outside of the top, you know, 12 or so. But uh, I think we both uh, are high on Anthony Richardson uh, of the Colts, especially after he got named week one starter, because that just gives him that, you know, key full season's worth of potential upside here. So uh, what do you, what do you, what's your outlook for Anthony Richardson uh, this year, do you, do you think he like takes any time to kind of ramp up, or do you think that it's going to kind of be more flat production the entire year? 
Um, yeah, no, I think it'll take time for him to ramp up, especially as a passer. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they're going to make the offense pretty simple for him. Like, they're going to let him lean on his legs. And like you've mentioned, like, they're going to let him air it out. Uh, so I think this is going to be, uh, you know, a high ceiling year for Anthony Richardson. And when he was announced as the week one starter, he moved up to QB nine in my rankings. But his ADP, if you look at recent drafts, it's still on that QB 14 range. Um, so I think he's offering value, especially at QB 14. Um, you know, he's going to have a ton of rushing upside as a rookie. We've seen it with Jalen Hurts, with Justin Fields, like even if they're not polished passers yet. They can still, you know, put up QB1 type numbers. So, yeah, as of now, like, I love getting Richardson as, you know, my late round quarterback. And if he doesn't pan out, we might know right away. And we will, you know, we can stream from there. But I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback this year. Um, This is the perfect landing spot for him. I've been saying that all offseason. So, yeah, like even at QB14, like the sky's the limit for him. So sign me up for uh, Richardson. Yeah, now I was trying to kind of figure out, you know, the range of outcomes in terms of, you know, what you talked about with the, you know, how essentially how condensed will the offense be? You know, I look back to Justin Fields in 2021 and mm-hmm. in his starts, you know, as a rookie, he averaged about 25 and a half pass attempts per game. But there's also, you know, other situations like Jalen Hurts is a rookie uh, average more and he wasn't really a, you know considered at the time a great passer he kind of had some mm-hmm. of the same issues as as Richardson and and then Steichen came the next year so Hertz had only started four games at the time and then that first year uh that Steichen came Hertz's second year in, in Philadelphia it was about 28.8 just under 29 mm-hmm. uh pass attempts per game and you know think close to double digit uh rush attempts so you know, that's a situation. I mean, I think there's some, that's a possibility. Like it's, you know, Steichen being that he's kind of been in this position before with a quarterback with a similar skill set, And especially because he, you know, announced Richardson as a starter yeah. so soon, you know, maybe he's just going to let him, I'm hoping that he kind of lets him take his, take his lumps because that could be the difference between Richardson averaging, you know, like 170 to 180 passing yards per game and mm-hmm. getting over 200. And if he gets over 200 with the kind of rushing upside he has, I think he's a good bet to be, you know, a top 10 quarterback. Because even in that year where Fields, remember he started out really rough that, that first year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he ended up starting 10 games in his rookie year. And even with the rough start, he still rebounded to post top 10 finishes in four of his past five. And then he missed the last three games of the season. So mm-hmm. that would have probably continued. So you know, if you can get a quarterback who's still going, you know, in the mid-teens and, you know, the median is going to be around a top 10 finish, I think yep. that's that's a good value. And I, I, I'm still, I still think that's around where Richardson is. He didn't look, I mean, in the limited snaps that he played, he didn't look great. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. I, like, I, I think he didn't look as explosive as Fields or as, you know, as like polished as a and he even hurts, I think, looked as a, right. as, a, as a rookie. So it could get ugly. But at the same time, like I said, I think Steichen, you know, coming over from Philly, having kind of developed Jalen Hurts into what he is today, uh, I think he'll draw on that experience. So I am hoping that, you know, it kind of picks up as the season moves along and we get to a point where, you know, Richardson should be making more than 10 starts. And if he takes 10 starts to get to 40% top 10, mm-hmm. you know, everything from there, I think it'll be over 50%. Um, so he should, he should, he should return value either way, but that's how, how I'm kind of seeing it with Richardson, but either way. Yeah. I think he's one of the few guys, at quarterback that I think, um, you know, has major, major upside. Yeah. Uh, and then I know you like Bryce young as well. I'm, I am, I am not a fan of the Panthers just yet. The more I look yeah. at, I just I, I started to go over this, and I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to hear your take on Young, but I'm it's not about Young. I think he's great, uh, mm-hmm. but I really don't like the moves that they made. Like they gave 13 mil to Adam Thielen, who's cooked. They gave like a, another five. Like this is all guaranteed. They gave like another five mil to DJ Chark, who you know he's just gonna like put up 500 yards, four touchdowns, and miss games. They gave uh, Hayden Hurst another 13 mil. And then they gave Miles Sanders a bunch of money. And Miles Sanders, the guy who's like the worst receiver there, they're like, oh, yeah, we want to make him into a three-down back. And then, <laughs> like, 
You know, yeah. it's just the O-line still, like everyone is so mediocre. Like the ceiling of everyone else in this offense outside of Bryce Young, like in terms of a talent perspective, is right. so mediocre that it's just driving me nuts. And that offensive line is going to have some issues. So um, what, are you, what are you thinking with, uh, with Young? No, I agree with all that. Um, I just think QB 25 is still too low for him. I think he's still sneaking in that range. Um, I, I think he is going to get off to a slow start. Like if, if you watch that last preseason game, he looked great. Like he's moving around the pocket. You know, the offensive line is not blocking well for him, but he can escape pressure. He can make things happen um, even when he's facing pressure. And just the receivers aren't on the same page. Like he's living in his own world where he's rolling out and he throws a crazy pass over the middle. And Jonathan Mingo just stopped his route. He just completely stopped his route. I think later in the season, when he has chemistry with his receivers, they're going to make those plays. So I think it's going to be a rough start. But I love Bryce Young as a prospect. He does have some rushing upside. He's not going to run nearly as much as Anthony Richardson. But he does have rushing ability. I think he's going to tap into that early on because, like I said, they're going to struggle early on. So he's going to lean on his legs a little bit more. So just in this QB 25 range, he has you know too much upside to, to pass up on him. But I do agree that the Panthers are going to struggle, which also could mean that he's going to have to throw more. Um, so, yeah, I just think at QB 25, I have him ranked QB 20. Um, and I think he has upside for more, obviously. So I just think late in the drafts, if you're in a two QB league or a best ball draft, he's still a good value there. So you like young, like as, as of right now, you like young over guys like uh, Pickett, and Jordan Love, uh, I'm guessing those are the Ooh, kind yeah, of guys. Yeah, that's that's a tier for sure. Like I think those three guys, like investing in their upside, is what I like doing in best ball. But yeah, I, w- I would take them over like a Derek Carr, um, Kyler Murray, obviously, uh, C.J. Stroud. Um, so he's just he's he should be in that range of uh, QB twenty guys that you know have a little bit of upside. They have some downside, but you know you at that point you're kind of investing in upside. So that's what I'm doing with him, just investing in his upside. I think I still go, I, I think, yeah, I have them really close. Uh, I'm yes. going to make some more updates as well, but I think <laughs> I'm going to go love and pick it over young. I just, I just like the supporting casts more for those. Like, mm-hmm. I think both of those guys have a better line and I don't know how the pain, is it possible to spend that much guaranteed money and have a, any more mid receiving core than like the Panthers <laughs> get like, like you yeah. bring in Hayden Hurst, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. Like it is it, even Miles Sanders and like your skill position corpse are just so mid. Like I feel like the Panthers could have, especially in this division, they could have gotten ahead. Like they could have got a jump start on you know winning with Bryce Young on a rookie deal. And now I feel like they got it. They just need to bottom out this year so they fire everyone and like just just <laughs> wow. undo all of this, yeah. undo all of this like horribleness that they that is their I, their roster. Oh, I agree. The the signings were very mid. I do like the draft pick of Jonathan Mingo just because I think he is a perfect fit for Bryce Young. Other than that one play that I was mentioning, they weren't on the same page, but when they do get clicking on that, I think Mingo could be their best weapon. And that's saying something that, that goes. It's not saying that's not saying they should not have paid up. They should not have paid up for Thielen, Chark and Hurst. I I think Mingo will still end up being Mm -hmm. one of their top receivers after all that spending. I mean, he better be because Terrace Marshall's hurt. Yeah. So it pretty much has to be. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as high on young. I see, I see it. I love the player. I think he's, I, I'm just very low on what the Panthers are doing as an organization. Yeah. So I can only imagine that they're going to make more poor decisions. <laughs> uh, and like, and like somehow, somehow they had like the coach that like motivated them to be like the best possible team and overachieve. And now they, they might've ha- they might have the worst coaching hire of this cycle mm. with, with Reich. Like I, I'd rather just hire like, you know, like a guy like Steichen or a Gannett, you know, like this, Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a mess. Uh, but I, I do see another name on this list, Aiden <laughs> O'Connell. And that, yeah. that, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. So uh, <laughs> is this like a, yeah, a bet on uh, Jimmy G getting hurt or? I would never do that. No. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> we've talked about the same 32 guys all off season. Let's mix it up. Let's, let's go deep here. Um, I, I like you alluded to. I think most these quarterbacks their ADP spot on. Um, so I just wanted to talk about a deep sleeper here. And if you remember from our rookie draft pod, um, I was saying O'Connell could be this year's uh, Brock Purdy, which I guess would involve him overtaking the injured Jimmy G and lighting things up. So um, he he will require Jimmy G to miss time to get starts this year. But I think just given the past few seasons. 
you know, it's probably likely he'll get a couple starts. Uh, but he has looked as good as advertised this preseason. You know, he's first in PFF grade, first in EPA per play, first in first down rate per attempt. Uh, and he has a 72% completion rate with an 11.3 A dot. So it's not like he's dinking and dunking. Uh, he's just a really good talent. Like, I would not be shocked if he makes starts later in the season and people, you know, think it's some huge downgrade and he actually balls out. So he's a guy just to keep in mind later in the season if he does make a start, uh, possibly add him in deeper leagues. And also don't downgrade Raiders pass catchers just because he's starting. I think he could be as good as Jimmy G right away. So I think he's just a deep sleeper, someone to keep, uh, you know, on your radar uh, heading into the season. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I I would not be surprised if Jimmy G were to miss games. What do you got? And what do you got? Hoyer there still too? Yeah, I think at this point, He's... yeah, I, at this point, they should not be starting Hoyer over O'Connell. You, you have to see what he has at that point. Glorified um, so, clipboard holder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I think he's the backup now, uh, but you never know with these teams. But I, I think that, yeah, the, the odds of him making at least one start this year seem pretty high. Um, and, uh, you know, when that does happen, I'll be trying to invest in him whatever way is possible. I'll give a couple other names. These aren't really sleepers per se, as much as guys I just think are a little undervalued that I kind of mm-hmm. want to get as much of as possible um, after I've kind of dug deeper into all these teams. One is I think I think this is going to be a monster year for Justin Herbert. Uh, I think, mm. I think, I think he's going to end up as he, he's my quarterback four right now. I think he's not as high on uh, most people's ranks as that, but I think he's going to lead the league in passing yards. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to play at the fastest pace in a game. I think they're going to go four wide a, a lot um, and, and just kind of go bombs away. Like that's what Staley said he hired Kellen Moore for. And they got the weapons uh, at every skill position, the O-line, should, you know, as long as it's healthy, should hold up. So I, I think Herbert's going to have a monster year. And another guy that I'm starting to really warm up to, uh, and who, you know, kind of, it's like almost post-hype at this point, but Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is actually going to have a, a, a very good season. And, you know, we kind of got, like, lulled to sleep by his, you know, like 200 yards, <laughs> no touchdowns. Yeah. But, like, now this is year two. Dable and you know and Shane have got to kind of bring in more guys who fit the scheme. There's a lot more receivers. Darren Waller has been uh, really great for for Jones from everything I've seen oh, yeah. and, and and heard at camp. So like you know a lot of times we we talk about you know the, the jump that like a guy like Justin Hurt uh, Jalen Hurts excuse me made when he got AJ Brown and uh, mm-hmm. you know Fields now with more. I think Daniel Jones you know is going to make a jump just from having Waller, Jalen Hyatt, who I think is is going to yeah. be very good. And I think you're going to see more passing volume. And I was looking back at some of Daniel Jones game logs. Like he, it's not like he was always a low volume guy. Like he was, it wasn't like he was like a Justin Fields or like what we expect Richardson to be like, he started his career as a high volume passer who could also run. And remember he had all those games with like four and five touchdowns in his rookie year yep. and, and a bunch of 300 yard games. So like Daniel Jones has this like sneaky upside that he's actually already realized, but then they kind of changed up the offense because the supporting cast was just so limited. But I think you're going to see kind of a mix of Daniel Jones more of his whole career than just what he did last year. So, you know, you combine that rushing ability with just a little more passing, a few more passing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're talking about him, you know, right there, right under right right after guys like Fields and, and, and Lamar Jackson. So I think Daniel Jones could could end up finishing top seven, top eight. Not a huge sleeper, but a guy I'm really starting right. to warm up to um because I think it's it's gonna kind of take people, you know, no one's really talking about the Giants this year. Their win total seven and a half. Daniel Jones is like kind of locked in that QB twelve, QB thirteen spot. But I think Daniel Jones is gonna give give people a pretty good uh, return. Yeah, on, I on I agree. Well. It was just way more fun getting him QB twenty eight last year, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> him and Goff, man, him and Goff. Uh, but yeah, you know, outside of that, you know, like Goff, like Gino, but not really sleepers. They're kind of the market's kind of wise up to those guys. Yep. So uh, let's let's go to running back, uh, much more important position, sleeper wise. Oh, yeah. uh, and let's start with. David Montgomery, I've I've already bet him to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. Nice. I, I think it was 20, 28 to one. I got it. I think it's still around twenty five to one. Uh, he's going to take over a good part of that Jamal Williams role. So 
Um, I'm, I'm guessing you think that, you know, that's, that's, that's too low yeah. for where he's going, uh, given his upside. Yeah. So speaking of upside, I did my running back upside rating ratings, uh, piece and chart last week that I'm keeping up to date, uh, as we speak, but, uh, Montgomery was one of only two running backs to earn an A plus grade, uh, basically because I'm projecting him to beat his ADP. Um, at, you know, RB26, even if Jameer Gibbs plays all 17 games. Because like you said, he should have the goal line role. Gibbs was not a goal line option, even in college. You know, Alabama had other backs handle the goal line work. Like, that's how much Gibbs is not going to be the goal line back in this offense. And Montgomery was really good in short yardage situations last year. He was sixth in success rate out of 48 qualified running backs. Like, he's a good short yardage back. He should thrive uh, in this scheme. And, you know... If Gibbs were to ever miss time, like I would be ranking Montgomery in my top 10 because unlike Jamal Williams, he's actually a really good pass catching back as well. So he'd be a workhorse back in this offense without Gibbs. So he just has massive upside baked in. And even if all the running backs on the lines are healthy all season, I think he beats his ADP. So that's why he got an A-plus grade for me. He's just the perfect type of back to target, you know, in the RB3 flex range. Yeah, and I love him. I love him even more in best ball too, because you know I still there are going to be some weeks where mm. he's going to be touchdown dependent. You know, I still think Gibbs is going to get the majority, like the majority of the pass uh, passing oh, yeah. down work. Yeah. So there will be weeks, you know, when he's touchdown dependent or game script dependent. Uh, we do expect the Lions to win the division, at least you know that the market does. I do. Uh, so I think there'll be more good game scripts than not. But best ball, I think it really just maximizes. Uh, his value because he's going to probably have weeks where he scores, you know, multiple touchdowns uh, and then other yeah. weeks where he probably just gets, you know, 50 yards and, and nothing else. So I uh, love him in best ball, but I, I agree. I think people are sleeping on him, um, you know, just because of the shiny new toy in Gibbs, but mm-hmm. Montgomery's a shiny new toy himself. They signed exactly. him to a pretty sizable free agent deal for a running back when they could have just re-signed Williams for cheaper. So that tells mm-hmm. you, um, you know, what they think of uh, of Montgomery. Uh, let's talk Zach Charbonnet. I you know he's a guy you, you've you've really been liking. I saw him yeah. get a bunch of snaps in in these last couple of preseason games. Looked looked pretty good. Uh, talk to me about Charbonnet. Yeah, so he he was one of the four backs that got an A grade or higher in my upside ratings. Um, just because you know he's a really talented rookie back who, when I watch film, reminds me of Nick Chubb. Just a very smooth runner, able to pick up those yards after contact. Uh, didn't love the landing spot because he's he's beginning his career backing up, you know, another talented running back in Kenneth Walker. But I think Charbonnet is good enough to command enough touches to, you know, offer RB3 flex value, even when uh, Walker's healthy. Um, you know, I think there is a chance that he could also eat into, you know, Walker's goal line um, usage because Walker is more of a home run hitting back. Like if you look at the short yardage numbers from last year, he ranked 34th out of 48. And success rate and Charbonnet is more of a high floor type back where he can pick up those you know few yards that you need um so I think that he matches Walker's skill sets perfectly I think that's why they drafted him so um you know RB36 is a bit steep but he should be able to beat that even if Walker's healthy like I said like he'll, he'll have a pretty big role as a rookie and if Walker misses time I think Charbonnet does have low end RB1 upside so I think that's why um you know I like targeting him in this range that's why I gave him an A grade or higher it's just that built-in upside that he carries with his RB36. Yeah, and I, I like Charbonnet as well, uh, but I wanted to start with him because I want to now talk about another guy I know we both like, uh, mm. and that's Tank Bigsby. Yeah. And as I'm kind of looking into Bigsby, who's going, you know, Charbonnet is at RB36. Bigsby's more in a, the low 40s, high, 50, uh, high 40s, low 50s uh, in ADP. And I think their situations are actually very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, Bigsby was put into the number two running back spot on the depth chart before they even played a preseason game. And, you know, he did indeed operate as that RB2 over uh, Jamichael Hasty in the last game. He's looked really good all preseason. Both of them are backing up, you know, young, talented running backs. But those running backs might not be, you know, every down backs ideally for their teams like etn was at times for jacksonville last year but he still had 10 games where he had a 55 percent or lower snap rate including three of the last four including the postseason so it wasn't just in you know that early part of the year when james robinson was still there 
you know, they were trying to limit ETN snaps at, at times. And I think that's why they drafted Bigsby. And right, he, I think his upside, like his ceiling for standalone value is that Robinson role where Robinson was averaging about uh, 11 mm-hmm. touches per game uh, in, over the first six weeks. So I, I think there's a lot to like with Bigsby. And I'm, I'm starting to like him even more than Charbonnet because I think they're ve- they have very similar ranges of outcomes, floor, ceiling, talent, all that stuff. But Bigsby's going like a few rounds later. So um, talk like, what do you think of, what do you, what do you think about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he's, he's a cheaper version of Charbonnet. He's like you said, he's like in a similar situation. Um, And it it does seem like the Jaguars are treating him like he's going to be a week one, like not starter, but one B he's going to play. Exactly. And for Charbonnet, we haven't been able to really look in any tea leaves because Kenneth Walker has been out. Uh, but just early, you know, usage in preseason, they do consider Bigsby like, uh, you know, a piece of their offense. So I think that he he's going to be, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to play him when ETN's healthy. But certainly when they have a good matchup or like there's heavy bye weeks, he'll absolutely be like an RB3 flex kind of value, even with ETN healthy. Um, and he's another guy. I, I could see him definitely uh, taking over the goal line work like that's perfect for him. Um, whereas ETN, again, he's more of a home run hitter. Um, so that those are the paths for both Charbonnet and Bigsby to, to offer value right away is kind of take away those goal line uh, carries. But either way, both backs um, are steals of their ADP just because they have so much upside if the starting running back were to go down. And these could turn – they're probably going to turn into like Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon type situations. Um, like it reminds me of that. So that, that they should be able to provide value even when the starting running back's healthy. So both, both the rookie backs I love at ADP right now. Yeah, and you know they they spent some decent draft capital on on these mm-hmm. guys, so I uh, do expect them to play uh, early and often. Uh, who else we got? Oh, Jalen Warren, another guy we both like. Talk to me about him. Yeah, I mean he's got to be my <laughs> most rostered running back at this point. I mean RB forty five is still criminal for his ADP, um, and again he was one of two backs to earn an A plus grade in my upside ratings for obvious reasons because I think he should be able to beat. His ADP, again, even if Najee Harris is healthy, all 17 games. Um, and he'll he'll be able to offer RB2 value if Harris were to miss time. But I think there's a good chance Warren will be able to force like a 50-50 committee this year um, with Harris because, you know, we saw Warren eat into Harris's receiving usage last year. Uh, but I think he's going to start eating into his early down work as well. We've already seen that in the preseason. And uh, he ripped off that 62-yard touchdown run, so I'm, I'm a bit worried his ADP might, you know, start to shoot up a bit. But I think people are starting to see that he might actually be the better back in this backfield, honestly. So um, looking at my expected yards per carry model last year, he was top 10 and Najee Harris was bottom 10. So I think this is a situation where it could devolve, or for Warren, uh, upgrade to a 50-50 committee, um, you know, sometime during the season. So I think at RB45, he is an absolute steal. Yeah, it you know, he performed better than Harris in, in a lot of different ways, you know, running the ball. I think he was better even in pass protection last year. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, he busted off a big run, I think that's kind of something the Steelers have been missing uh, on offense. So that that's a good sign for him kind of forcing more of a of a of an even split. And now the Steelers are still probably going to run the ball a lot they still have that defense and they kind of just want to play stable football so uh, i'm sure there'll be enough to go around but yeah we've both been just kind of singing the praises of of warren all, all summer so um still think the market hasn't quite caught up uh to him uh another guy i like and this is one I seem to be on an island, but I still like Alexander Madison. I still think he's going way too low. I don't. I don't understand why people are so scared of his like, you know. Uh, I guess holding on to the workload, like everything the Vikings have done all off season, everything I've heard out of camp has kind of telegraphed exactly what they're trying to do with Madison. Like they gave him a new contract that made him uh, a top twenty running back in terms of guaranteed money. They released Dalvin Cook. They don't bring in a veteran all camp. They don't play Madison a single snap along with the with the rest of the first team offense. They and you know last season, Dalvin Cook played seventy two percent of the snaps and Madison played twenty six percent. And I think that's exactly how it's going to break down this year. Except Madison's going to be in the Cook role, 
And, you know, working out a guy like Kareem Hunt, Mike Davis, who are all these other guys, like, I think that's just for the Madison role. And if they don't end up bringing in somebody else, if they go mm-hmm. into the season with Ty Chandler, Kene Wangu, and Dwayne McBride as the depth behind Madison, Madison might get even more than 72% <laughs> of the snaps. So, like, I, there's nothing to, to tell me that he they don't trust him. I've every beat, like, I've, I've heard some people like speculate. But then the actual beat writers are like, no, they love this guy. They, they've literally been planning all offseason to use him as a feature back. And there's not many – like some of the most talented backs in the league aren't in situations where they could, mm. you know, play – have a three-down role, play 70-plus, you know, 80% of the snaps. So I'm, I'm really high on Madison. I think he should still be uh, a top 15 back. And he's, he's outside the top 20 in a lot of people's uh, ranks in, in, in ADP. So – uh, I love me some some Alexander Madison. I think people are truly <laughs> sleeping on him. Truly. Yeah, you, you got that right because his ADP is down to RB twenty five. Um, yeah, like what the hell? Which I was I was like, oh, don't I? I don't want to take him in the top twenty, but if he falls to twenty five, yeah, I'm kind of with it. you. Over because what do you mean? How? Like, when it there comes are not to- twenty backs better like that have a better outlook than Alexander Madison. Let me see if I can do the math right now. Real they quick. are um, not. It's who, very clo- who, for, who is playing 72% of their snaps? Like, no, we're not even going to give them any upside. Let me Who's put it playing- this way. You, you know, over the past few seasons, whenever, you know, Dalvin Cook has been ruled out or like possibly ruled out, you know, we update our projections and Madison's a, he's a clear top 10 back, right? So I think that that's, yeah. Yeah. that's the mindset we should have going in the season. I don't disagree with that. At all. Um, I do think that, that there's a chance he's, if you look at the metrics, he's not like a dominant running back. There's a chance, there's a window for somebody to step up and overtake him. But again, I'm agreeing with you here. When you look at their depth chart, I can't name a back that will be able to do that. Um, so I think That's his, his workload, I know his workload is safer than your traditional frozen pond running back. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, it does remind me like, remember a couple years ago when Mike Davis um, I was like, I, I can't imagine who's going to take over work from him. And it ended up being Cordell Patterson. I don't mm. see that on the Vikings chart. I think they would have to add somebody. I think that's the only way that he gets leapfrogged. So I, I'm with you. I think RB25 is probably way too low for Madison. So I mean, I just don't think they're trying to have him leap, leapfrog. Right. <laughs> like Kareem Hunt was a dude who played like, 25 30 yeah. of snap muster and wasn't even good like if anything he would play the madison role but on top of that like first of all like like the metrics with madison is like it's kind because of, like the vike this is first this is a new scheme you know second year under o'connell their o-line was different but also they extended cj ham and they signed one of the best blocking tight ends in the in the league to a big contract in josh oliver they already had tj hoggison they plan to play a lot more heavy this year. So that's only going to help the run game. And like, so that's just another reason for me to like a guy like Madison. Like he's going to have more CJ Ham and more Josh Oliver blocking for him and less of like, you know, Adam Thieven or whoever it was last year, you know, trying to throw blocks on the edge. So like this Viking team might actually not only just he might not just replace the cook role one for one, but the Vikings may just be a better running team mm, yeah. altogether. And like this Ty Chandler nonsense is ridiculous. Like Alexander Madison has played <laughs> zero snaps in the preseason. Ty Chandler has been out there for 66 snaps. They 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 might as well up and kill this dude. Like 66 preseason snaps. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. This this dude is not jumping Alexander Madison. Well, and Kevin O'Connell, who's been playing like he plays his starters so much, like his fourth and fifth receivers barely got any time. Like the you know the the like month barely like this. You, we know what's gonna happen. It's like I feel like people are overthinking this crazy. Yeah, I mean they were trying to see who the backup's gonna be. That's why Chandler's getting so much work, and Nuango's been hurt. McBride's been very disappointing. Um, so yeah, it's it's a complete disaster behind. Madison yeah. right now. Al, you know who Alexander Madison's backup is? Alexander Madison. That's basically that's, Alexander. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> uh but yeah, so I, I'm I'm gonna die on that hill. Uh and another guy I like is uh Tyra Algier. 
Uh, I think people are sleeping on him as well because you know the Falcons were second in the league, had about 27 running back carries per game last year. So even if you project, you know, 17, 18, 19, uh, even 20 carries per game for Bijan Robinson, yep. uh, which I think is fair, realistic, um, somewhere in that range, uh, you're still going to have, you know, on a, on any given game, you know, seven to twelve touches uh, for Algier, and there's going to be a lot of games where you know, and if the average is twenty seven, there's there's a lot of games where they're going to go over thirty plus. So I, I and if Robinson were to go down, we saw Algier last year. You know, final four games of the year, he was one of the top backs in the entire league. So I think they he's another one of these guys that they they feel comfortable giving him a workhorse role. Uh, if they have to, uh, they just don't have to right now. But, um, you know, 21 touches over the last uh, – 21.3 touches for 121 yards per game in the last four weeks if, if you need it. And uh, I think he's still going to have, like, push for standalone flex value. So love Algier uh, as well going outside the top 40 backs. Yeah, he was one of four backs that I gave an A or better grade to. Uh, similar reasons as the other guys we were talking about. Just he, he should be able to – command enough touches to pr- provide flex value at times, even when Bijan's healthy. And then, like you said, if, if Bijan's out, I would rank him as what a high end RB two. So he just has massive upside where he's going. Yep. And uh, one guy I want to mention before we go to wide receivers, uh, Tajay Spears, he doesn't, he's not going to have any standalone value, mm-hmm. but he looked really good in the preseason. And uh, I think he's going to be the handcuff to Derek Henry. So, uh, you know, Henry coming off one of these monster carry seasons, you usually see, you know, or there was a higher chance of injury uh, or, you know, just kind of weird things going down the next year that, that forced a guy like Henry to, to regress, miss games. Uh, and he's also, what, 29 now? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, this Titan team, I think the Titans will be pretty solid. I think the defense will be better without all these injuries. So, um, you know, Spears is a guy who, you know, cheap handcuff for, for Henry, a lot of upside uh, if Henry goes down because I think he might get, you know, close to a, a full workload. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you see his touchdown run? Oh yeah. Oh Oh, my God. He is so good. And again, don't let the uh, no ACL and arthritis talk get you down from this year. That might come into play in year five or six for him, but he should be every bit as good as a rookie this year. And I got him in dynasty and all these things, but yeah, like he would be pushing RB2 value if Derrick Henry would ever miss time. All right, guys, the new NFL season is almost here. So your old habit of never missing a snap on Sunday is back. And I want to tell you another habit I'm getting into Caldera Labs skin regimen. It's simple and it just takes a minute in the morning, a minute at night, and you're already in the habit of doing something like brushing your teeth. So why not just stack another habit right after to take your skincare up a notch with Caldera Lab, the three Step regimen is simple. You've got the clean slate, which is a face wash. You've got the base layer, which is a moisturizer. And you've got the good, which is a night serum that reduces fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Skincare is important, but it doesn't have to be difficult. Getting in that habit uh, of just a minute in the morning, a minute at night is all you need to take your daily routine up a notch to better, clearer skin. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer Caldera Labs best offer anywhere. Use code FLEX at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with code FLEX at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to those magic words. You look younger. Get 20% off at calderalab.com with code FLEX. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go to the wide receiver position and Zay Jones is a guy who I don't know what to do with him. Like, I feel like <laughs> I, I have him too high, but at the same time, I like it's I don't know how, how many Jaguar pass catchers can all like put up, you know, <laughs> like great value. So like I, I don't know what to do with him, but you, you like him as a sleeper. So 
Uh, talk to me about about him. Yeah, you have him too high. Where do you have him ranked right now? I thought I had. Him too I think high. like I, I think I have him like wide receiver fifty something. Like yeah, like it, it, he just projects so highly, even with yep. even with uh, Ridley and, and Kirk there and Ingram. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, he's gone. You know, around wide receiver sixty, it looks like, and you know his his production will obviously take a hit with Cal Ridley now in the mix, but and he probably won't repeat his you know wide receiver twenty nine performance last year, but. Wider's 61 seems way too low, um, especially considering he's still probably going to see 85, 90% routes run rate in one of the better passing attacks in the league. Uh, and just based on preseason usage, um, it was Christian Kirk who came out on the two wide receiver sets. So it was Ridley and Zay Jones um, lined up in two wide receiver sets. So I think Zay Jones should be right around 90% routes run rate again this year. So um, I think he has a ton of upside as well because if either Ridley Kirk or Evan Ingram uh, miss any time, you know, he's going to jump up in our rankings even more. So I think just later in the draft in this range, it's so easy to get a guy like Zay Jones. He always falls to me. So yeah, he's one of my favorite sleepers uh, once you get outside the top 60. Yeah. And Marvin Jones, the ghost of Marvin Jones <laughs> finishes a wide receiver 57 last year. Which I was actually Ooh. surprising to me. I didn't. Even <laughs> yeah. I mean, now he did play 16 games. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, yeah, it would be a, it would be lower if you looked at points per game. But you know, the point remaining that you know Zay Jones could really not do much and and just kind of still beat his ADP uh, yeah. at, at wide receiver 61. So yeah, I like that uh, as well. Uh, a guy I like a lot is Michael Gallup. Uh, for the Cowboys, I think this is another team, the Cowboys, that I, I feel like people are just kind of overlooking a little bit this year. You know, they 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 lose Dalton Schultz and they they add Brandon Cooks and they, you know, McCarthy's calling plays, and I guess everyone's just kind of soured on them because you got McCarthy calling plays and Schottenheimer there and Moore is gone. But uh, Dak Prescott still a pretty good quarterback. The line should still be solid to give him time and. Like I don't know how they're going to run. They led the league in running back carries last year. I know they say they want to run more, but I don't see how they're going to run more with no Zeke. And you know, like like they ran more than the Falcons last year in terms of running back handoffs. So uh, I I like the Cowboys' uh, passing game, and Gallup is a guy who you know going outside the top fifty. Uh, I think he should be uh, you know right around that wide receiver fifty range. The report is he's going to run fewer high uh, low percentage routes just go routes where he's just kind of a decoy and be moved around the formation more and uh, i think that's gonna you know do well for his value and he's also even when he tore that acl he didn't even have surgery till february of 2022 Mm -hmm. so coming back last year he had a really bad season but he was not far removed at all from that from that surgery and he just was not right at all but uh, before the surgery, he averaged about 53 yards a game for his career. And I think he can get back up to that point. And, you know, he could finish as a wide receiver three, even a wide receiver two. And not many wide receivers going in the wide receiver, you know, 55, 60 range uh, can can say that. So uh, I like Gallup. And I think there's even an outside shot. He he beats out uh, or he's more targeted than, uh, than Brandon Cooks. So I uh, mm. love Gallup. And Cooks. Yep. Yeah, he's always yeah. one of my favorite sleepers every year. So so you get him. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say that last year was kind of a lost season just because he wasn't 100% when the season started, and uh, it showed. And he should have a much more diverse route tree this year, which should help him draw more targets. So I'm, I'm with you on this one. Uh, all right. Talk to me about Van Jefferson. Yeah, he's another receiver that kind of had a lost year last year. You know, he missed the first half of the season due to injury. Uh, and then only played three games with uh, Matt Stafford before he went down with his season-ending injury. So I think Jefferson is another sneaky wide receiver in the 65 to 70 range. Um, the last time we saw a full season from Jefferson was uh, 2021 when he finishes the wide receiver 31. And I don't see why he shouldn't be in that role again this year. Um, you know, the Rams defense will likely take a big step back this year. So they should be, you know, as pass heavy as ever this year. And the the Rams, you know, wide receiver number three slot just gets worse and worse every year. And this year, you know, it's going to be some mix of Tutu Atwell, uh, Puka Nakua, Ben Skoranek. So, uh, you know, Jefferson should be a lock for the number two receiver role, uh, which means in this offense, he should be a top three target for Stafford 
most weeks. So, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver 68 is a steal for uh, Jefferson as well. He's another guy that I like, get, get, like getting at the end of my drafts. Yeah, I go back and forth on Jefferson because, the, the, like, he's a guy where, like, yes, in theory, it seems like he should be locked into that number two role. But, like, if Nakua plays well mm. and at, – because, like, I think Atwell is going to be involved no matter what is kind of like a yeah. gadget. But, like, almost like a McCole Hardman where he's going to get, like, 50% regardless of whether he's the three or the four or the two or whatever. So – but, like, I, I do see a scenario where – like Jefferson, Nakua, and Atwell. I'm not Skaronic. He was playing. I think he was playing in like the second half of the game we went to. So I'm not. I, I don't <laughs> think he's going to factor in this year yeah. as much. But uh, that that's the only, that's my only worry with, with with a guy like Jefferson is you know as opposed to a guy like Zay Jones where even though he's mm-hmm. like the wide receiver three on the team, I really don't see anyone like I don't see his job in any jeopardy. Like I could see Jefferson kind of you know him. And a, and a bunch of other guys kind of having a little more of an even rotation behind Cooper Cup, so uh, that's my only thing with, with Jefferson of why I'm not I'm not higher. But but I do agree. Like if he does hold that role, he's gonna he's gonna smash his ADP. Like just exactly. Smash it. And and yeah. and would be a great best ball pick too. Yep. Because he you know deeper deeper targets, average 15 yards per catch for for his career. All right, let's talk about. Uh, let's go with. Jaden Reed, who caught a touchdown in the Packers Patriots game, looks like he's got that slot role locked up, and, and Tere is going to be the you know kick returner and more of the wide receiver four. I saw Tere playing you know way into the further into the game than than uh, Reed. So um, you think Reed can beat this? What is he set wide receiver seventy five? I believe it is. Yeah, wide receiver seventy five. Yep. Yeah, what do you see him from him? Yeah, so he. He's a rare kind of like high floor option this late in draft. So this is somebody that you would take like in best ball if you need depth or like a deeper league where I'm in, I'm in some leagues where we start five plus wide receivers, like a league like that. Reed mm-hmm. is perfect because, um, well, he wasn't one of my favorite receivers from this year's class. Uh, he did land in one of the best situations for year one production. So it does look like he's a lock to be, you know, the Packers starting slot wide receiver this year. Um, and it's also worth noting just that Jordan Love has looked really good. I think that yes. Jordan Love Jordan Love could be this year's Geno Smith, where he's someone Ooh. that you know we haven't seen play that much over the past couple of seasons, but they have just progressed so much that they could shock us. He's replacing a future Hall of Famer. Um, so I like investing in the Packers right now, and Reed is obviously the cheapest way to do that. Um, but just based on what I've seen from Jordan Love makes me like Jaden Reed. And obviously, you know, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, even more. Yeah, like that. I find myself wanting to draft every Packers receiver, like even their Watson, tight end, Luke Musgrave. Yeah, exactly. Who we'll, we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> oh. But yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I think Reed. I mean, he's definitely going to have get the snaps. Uh, I guess the biggest challenge for him would just be, you know, he's probably going to be the lowest A dot guy, especially with uh, Musgrave is more of like a down the seam deeper kind of tight end. Um, so that that's my only concern with Reed. Like, I like Reed. I like Jalen Hyatt even more because my thing with Hyatt is, whereas I don't think Reed is going to jump Watson, I do think he there's a chance he he could uh, out target Dobbs this year. But I think Jalen Hyatt has a chance to be the most targeted Giants receiver. Mm-hmm. And I noticed something very interesting. Uh, about his usage in the preseason in in college Hyatt was a slot receiver pretty much he was like 88% slot in college uh in camp they've been talking about how he's been beating guys deep on the outside and in the preseason he's played 81% of his snaps outside so that means the Giants aren't just like lumping him in with that gaggle of slot like Crowder and Beasley and uh Shepard and all these guys like yeah I I think they really want to get Hyatt on the field and they you know if we know it's kind of a merit-based system in that Dable uh offense and I think Hyatt just has an extra gear I mean this is a dude who scored five touchdowns against Bama against Bama gave them their first L of the season last year and 
15 touchdowns overall, but Litnikoff winner. I, I think this guy has a chance to, to be special. And so, like, that's why in that range, I'm still going high over mm-hmm. um, some of those other guys. But um, I, I do like Reed. I do like Hyatt. Uh, I, I like uh, Rasheed Rice. I like Tank Dell. Bunch of those rookies in that range. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to warm up to Hyatt because I think him and, and Rice as well, I think both of those guys – um, and, and I guess Dell to a lesser extent, I just, I don't know what's up with his injury. He missed that preseason game, but, um, you know, these guys, I think have a better shot of, of being their team's number one receiver. Now in Rice's case, that would be, and, and Hyatt's mm-hmm. case, that would still be the number two target. Uh, Dell's case. I mean, if you were, he, I could see him jumping everyone and being the top target. Um, so, uh, any thoughts on, on, on these rookies? Yeah, no, I think Hyatt in that range has the highest ceiling. Um, again, I think Jaden Reed's a good high floor play. He's a rare high floor play in this range, but some of these receivers in this range, like a Josh Palmer, a John Mechie, like they need an injury to have any value. Um, whereas Hyatt doesn't need an injury. Jaden Reed doesn't need an injury. Um, Tank Dell probably doesn't need an injury to, to hit in this range. So those, when I'm drafting this range, I'm just thinking which, which of these receivers don't really need an injury to have value this year. And I think like what you said, Hyatt he probably already has his role set in this offense. Like he's the deep threat um, kind of guy and they, they don't really have that. So I, I think he'll have a path to having value, but he's perfect for best ball because you probably won't know when those spike weeks are coming. Yep. Um, whereas Jaden Reed is more for like traditional head to head fantasy and deeper leagues. But yeah, I think Hyatt out of this range has, has the highest ceiling for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Rice, I think looked really good in the preseason as well. And, you know, I, I'm not buying this Kadarius Tony is going to be like a healthy. Number, well, not even just that. I mean, he's already not healthy, but I, I think he's going to, ha- I don't think he's going to be more than a rotational guy. He's, he's, I think he's going to be like kind of like a McCole Hardman in terms of the, the percentage of snaps more mm-hmm. around like 40, 50. Like he never topped 44 as a chief last season. And I'm sure they'd like to get him more, but he got injured again. They have so many receivers. I think they're going to have like a rotation at receiver. Like Oof. last year, their top receiver was in yeah. terms of routes run per game uh, percentage was Juju at 77. And I think MVS was at 76. And I could see whoever leads it this year. Maybe it's probably going to be Sky Moore. I could see him leading with an even lower percentage. Like I could see them going like more 70 percent. Uh, MVS 60%, Rice 60%, Tony 50%, and then like a couple of other guys, like 25%, like Watson or James or Ross or whoever makes the team. Uh, yeah. But I could see them working in five, six receivers with, you know, kind of more of a, a rotation. But I think Rice, you know, if Tony's going to be more of a rotational guy, I think MVS, he probably is going to see a downtick as, as, you know, more guys kind of jump up because he's like a didn't really produce much last year and targeted only in 13.7% of his routes. Um, so I think they could stand to um, cut his snaps a little bit. So I think it's rice versus more. And I don't, I like more and I love the year two mm-hmm. kind of weak guys, but I don't think I more showed me enough to where I'm just going to like say, okay, he's automatically just going to like beat out rice for the entire year. So, um, you know, rice in, you know, as a potential number one target or number, you know, wide receiver, top wide receiver in that Mahomes offense is pretty intriguing to me as well as Dell is more of the guy that really has to, you know, mm-hmm. make some jumps, but that like, I mean, it's Nico Collins and Robert Woods and, you know, <laughs> hey, don't no talk shit about Nico Collins. You could talk shit about Robert Woods, just not Nico Collins, please. Okay. I mean, and Noah Brown. Yeah. Noah Brown. He doesn't have much to, to leapfrog. Yes, that's yeah, and and it doesn't sound like Mechie has really established <laughs> um, himself. So, um, you know, but that but that's still more of a projection. But yeah, I think yeah. Hyatt Rice uh, and and Jaden Reed, you know, they're gonna have roles this year. It's just you know how consistent are they gonna be, and how high is the ceiling? And uh, yeah, I think I think like you said, Reed is a is a great kind of like head to head high floor could could average four catches a game even, and whereas mm-hmm. Hyatt and 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 Rice are are, are higher ceiling guys. Yep. Let's close it out with tight end. We both like Dalton Kincaid. Uh, I mean, I think he could he could be as high as the number two target this year. Mm. This year, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the year of the rookie tight end. Like this, this is, is a really good class. I think we could see like three or four of these tight ends put up really good numbers as rookies, which is uncommon but you know we've seen Kincaid's ADP skyrocket the past couple weeks uh he's up to tight end 12 now 
Uh, I think just people are getting to see him in action. To, no surprise, he looks great. But like you said, it's clear the Bills drafted him to be a key weapon, you know, as soon as this year. Could be, you know, Josh Allen's number two target most weeks. Still, Gabe Davis is more of just a high-variance deep threat. So yeah. a guy like Kincaid gives them just more stability, which I think makes a ton of sense. And he, like, heading into the draft, he reminds me of, like, a Mark Andrews type of pass catcher. He has a ton of upside as a pass catcher, and he landed in one of the best situations. So, um, you know, tight end 12 might seem steep, but that that's the perfect time to take a flyer on a guy like Kincaid because if he doesn't work out, which I don't think is happening, um, you know, you're not spending that much draft capital on him. But he has, you know, top five upside as a rookie. So it, he's definitely worth taking a flyer on. Uh, the hype is there for a reason. Um, just it's clear that the Bills are banking on him this year to hit the ground running. And I think he's more than capable of doing it. So I still love him, uh, you know, at tight end 12. Yeah, and he's even though, you know, we know rookie tight ends, you know, takes a while to develop, harder to produce. But Kincaid is really just a big slot receiver. You yeah. Know, Dawson <laughs> Knox is still going to be on the field as the other tight end. They want to run more one one uh, one two personnel. It, just using Kincaid instead of like a Cole Beasley or, yep. uh, you know, who Isaiah McKenzie, McKenzie. Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> it forces the deep instead of having like a, a, a little, you know, tiny dude like McKenzie out there in run blocking, you know, when you are going to run, you have a guy like Kincaid who can still hold his own uh, against yep. a linebacker just due to his size. So, um, yeah, if, if, if Gabe Davis is getting, you know, one too many of those like low percentage routes and you know maybe has a few drops i could absolutely see kincaid being that number two because like let's say the bills when the bills do go to one one personnel right and they do actually mm-hmm. bring like surefield or uh deontay hardy or, or khalil shakir whoever it is onto the field as their third receiver if if you like kincaid in that role you would have kincaid over Knox as your pass catching tight end on third down yep. so like your third down would be three receivers kincaid and and are back so like there's yeah I, I'm all in on Kincaid I, I just like every way I kind of factor it out he I see him on the field catching passes yep. so uh, yeah I don't I don't mind the the, the T12 uh, at all uh, Tyra Higby I mean this guy had a 24% target per route rate and with Cooper Cup active 23% target per route rate so didn't even really get affected by Cup. Uh, being on the field or not. And we know the Rams, they've been bottom four in running back catches each of the last four yep. years. So, and, and we kind of, you know, the receiver, no, no one's established outside of Cup. So, yeah, I think I think Higby is a top 12 tight end. I agree. He's my tight end 11, and that's because I'm holding down his projections a bit. If I just let my uh, raw model fly, he'd be like tight end eight. Um, Do it. Do it. <laughs> I mean, I might get there. I might. Um, but he, he's burned me in the past. But I think this is the year. This is the year he like truly breaks out. Because um, like I said, when I was talking about Van Jefferson, the number three s- slot for the wide receiver uh, depth chart on the Rams is like, you know, dwindling by the year. So I think that, you know, Higby will step up and he'll probably be the number two target in this offense. That should be very pass heavy. So, yeah, I love Higby at where is he like tight end 14 right now? Still too yep, low. 14, yeah. 15, depending on the week. Too low. Uh, and then Sam Laporta, I mean, he got he got the starter treatment, so all, all systems go there for him kind of inheriting that Hawkinson role. Uh, so so we love him. Yep. And uh, and then, then Jake Ferguson, you know, looks like he's going to be more of a one-for-one replacement for Dalton Schultz uh, rather than, uh, you know, in a committee with Hendershot and Schoonmaker. So – uh, I think Ferguson is a massive, like Ferguson could just put up the, the Schultz numbers and yep. <laughs> like he, you know, he's going as the tight end 24, 25 still. And he could easily finish as, you know, the top, the tight end 12 uh, or even higher. Like Schultz had three straight top 12 finishes uh, over the past three seasons. So um, I know it's a new offense, a little, should be a little bit of a new offense, but uh, Ferguson looked great in, in his limited action in the preseason. And he, uh, is apparently going to be take that Schultz role, so I think people need to like that's a guy people just need to start drafting as like a low like a low end tight end one, high end tight end two, um, in that you know tight end like fifteen range. So yeah, um, like if you remember like earlier this offseason, we had like Ferguson, Screwmaker, and like even Hendershot ranked like in the third yeah. tight end thirty to that's because we didn't know who was going to emerge. 
now that it does look like it is Ferguson, he's got to go way up people's draft boards. Yeah. And so that's one where, again, like just kind of pencil him in for similar to Dalton Schultz production. And uh, you're going to see that he's a steal. And then, you know, Luke Musgrave, great best ball pick just because, you know, should be the starting tight end for the Packers. Um, and, you know, has some downfield upside. And you know, Tyra Davis got hurt for the year. DeGuara's moved to fullback. So it's all about Musgrave with Kraft behind him. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think he has tight end one upside, but uh do like him in best ball as a tight end too. So there we have it. There we have it. And uh, you got it. No, no more kickers. Did you think of anybody else? No more kickers. <laughs> uh, I haven't been thinking about them. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. Uh, I'll, do you I'll have any? No, okay. no. Nah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm higher on Jake Moody than the. the okay. So I guess that's the guy. But uh, <laughs> that, that's gonna wrap it up for our 2023 sweepers pod. Uh, our fantasy bus pod will be out Friday. You can find Sean on X at the underscore oddsmaker. I'm at Chris Raybon. We're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Also, be sure to check out our fantasy rankings at actionnetwork.com. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.